Hey, deserving listeners. Today, someone sent me an audio recording of Amber Heard and Johnny Depp having a fight. And since I'm a couples therapist, I thought I would listen to it and react to it. So let's listen to some of it right now. We've got to change how we do things. And I want to trust you. And I feel like all the trust is gone. All the fucking trust is gone in the relationship because you keep splitting. I'm not going to be in a physical fucking altercation with you. Then don't. You fucking hit me last night. You fucking... What about all the other times you split? Come on, you cannot act like that. It's about that. It's well, not... Well, on a plane, I can't split. No, and you hit back. So don't act like you don't fucking participate. I pushed you. I'm not going to get into the details of that fight. You and I both know that you split when there is no physical violence involved. And that you do it and meet, like at the very beginning of fights these days. And if you split and you go into a different room and you don't actually leave that house, it does nothing but perpetuate the fight. Okay, before moving forward, I just want to say this feels a little voyeuristic as I'm listening to this. This is clearly a private conversation between them. I just looked up on the internet what uh, the news reports are saying, and apparently Johnny Depp's lawyers released this audio, and they are claiming that uh, the couple knew the recording was happening. I'm guessing that the couple was recording their conversations and their arguments as a way of trying to resolve their arguments. It is something that couples will do is they'll, while they're fighting or discussing, they'll record and then listen back to it uh, for clarification if there's misunderstandings. This is often prompted by couples later arguing about arguing, which kind of sounds like they're doing right now. Is when people get into arguments, a lot of things are said, a lot of hurtful things are said, and, and our memories are extremely uh, subjective. And t- the two people after the fight in the couple will walk away with a completely different set of memories. If you've ever been in a fight with anyone, you'll know what this is like. You'll be you know, saying, well, you said this, and then you said that, and the other person's like, I never said that. What are you talking about? And you hook them up to a lie detector test and they'll pass, not because they're psychopaths, but because memory is not a, you know, recording. It is a uh, emotionally laden uh, mess that's in the goo between our ears. And we remember what we want to remember. And everyone's like this. And so sometimes people record their conversations as a way of trying to make sure that they have an accurate representation of what actually happened. By the time a couple gets to this point... It's usually pretty bad. I mean, if you're trying to, if you're arguing about, you know, who said what, when, uh, you're already at a pretty bad point. And when I, as a couples therapist, work with people, I try to get them away from that and say, look, a lot of things have been said. Both memories aren't very good. You know, let's start over. What do you want? How do you want to communicate it? How do you feel? Let's interpret your own feelings. Let's take responsible for your own feelings. Let's trust the other person, let's reach out, let's respond well when the other person is vulnerable, and let's let's move on and let's, let's not worry so much about what happened in the past. Um, we can certainly talk about the past, particularly uh, big events, but, you know, the, the things that people say when they're heated uh, often don't reflect their uh, true feelings about things, and so, um, one, we could just accept that uh, that's a fact, and two, um, you know, let's let's try to have some grace to the other person that they were triggered and freaking out, and they said a lot of things that they regret. So it sounds like maybe that's what they're doing. Some news reports are calling this audio recording a therapy session, uh, but I think that's writers on the internet not understanding what therapy is. Therapy is what I do, which is couples therapy, which is when a 
therapist is providing a service, a professional service. Um, it's not when two people are talking. <laughs> um, so uh, at first I was like, oh, was there, is there a therapist in the room? There's clearly not a therapist in the room. This is just the two of them in a room by themselves talking. The other caveat I'll say this is it's possible this entire audio has been doctored. We just don't know yet. As news reports come out, um, you know, we'll find out more information. The other thing I'll say is that a lot of people on the Internet are saying, aha, okay, now we've caught Amber Heard and all of her lies. She's the abuser. Johnny Depp is the victim. He's innocent. And I just want to say from the onset, we don't have enough data for that yet. This recording definitely implicates Amber Heard as a abuser of some sort. But it doesn't exonerate Johnny Depp in a legal sense. Um, uh, there's a lot of data that uh, you'd have to sift through in order to make that determination. And courts, you know, have a hard job doing that. Um, we might never know really what happened in its entirety. But clearly in this clip, we're hearing that um, Amber Heard is admitting, at least to Johnny Depp, if this, if this is even the two of them. It certainly sounds like them, right? But we don't even know if this is them. It certainly sounds like them. But she's saying that... Um, I don't like it when you keep splitting, you know, basically referring to him during arguments, he'll he'll run away. And then he Johnny Depp is like, well, I don't want to get in a physical altercation with you. That's why I'm leaving. And then uh, she, Amber Heard's like, well, then don't, you know, don't get into a physical, physical altercation with me. This is implying that maybe there's some back and forth violence between the two of them. Johnny Depp says, well, um, you know, you fucking hit me last night. That's why I left. And then Amber Heard's like, okay, fine, but what about all the other times you split when when violence wasn't involved? Um, she says that he hits back. He says, no, I didn't hit you. I pushed you. Um, pushing is absolutely potential abuse for sure. Um, this is evidence of what I'm going to call, you know, not what I call, but what, you know, in my field we call preoccupied attachment, avoidant attachment. If you want to hear the full explanation, you have to listen. You have to become a patron of the podcast as to my, I don't know, 11 hours deep dive on attachment theory. But in a nutshell, essentially, as when we're young, we have this um, – when we're faced with inconsistent uh, love and attention, potentially abuse as well, we have to cope with it somehow from an early age. And we have a number of different possibilities available to us and how we're going to cope two of which are very common, which is what we call preoccupied or anxious attachment and avoidant or dismissive attachment. And the preoccupied attachment uh, coping style that is developed mostly subconsciously by the child is one in which we lean in to our caregivers in that we have inconsistent love and attention. And so we uh, lean into them and we request love from them. We demand it. We make our needs very known to the world because we've learned through experience that if we don't make it very loud, no one will pay attention to us and we won't get any love. With this style, we still get some blowback because people don't like it when we're demanding, but at least we get some love and attention. We're not completely left alone. And the loneliness that is behind this demanding is so great that it feels uh, like a deep abyss. And if you've listened to the podcast before, you, you know what I'm talking about here. So Amber Heard is showing um, red flags. I can't obviously diagnose her. I would have to spend a lot of time with her to really know. But for educational purposes, for, for you out there, uh, she has red flags of what we call preoccupied attachment. She's doing a lot of the talking. She, uh, during arguments that they're referring to, uh, she doesn't want him to split. She's very triggered when he quote unquote splits. 
he exhibits avoidant attachment. So when not, I can't obviously diagnose him, but he has signs of it again for educational purposes for you out there. My hope with this discussion is to raise awareness uh, so that people will understand how to get their attachment needs met in their relationships to reduce their conflict. Go to couples therapy because even when you know this stuff, it's hard to navigate um, without a professional there. Um, I, as a couples therapist for over 20 years, have helped people with with much worse conflict than Amber and Johnny are exhibiting here. But um, And a lot of our ills, including domestic violence sometimes and intimate partner violence, can be reduced if people just understood these simple uh, human needs of attachment and, and the sort of... Uh, bastardization of our attachment um, uh, signaling to other people that comes across as, as quite horrible to other people. Anyway, so when Johnny Depp was young, it's, he shows signs that he was uh, treated uh, in a way uh, by his caregivers that made him develop a coping style of avoidance. This is one of the other styles. So we have the preoccupied, which is leaning in and being very demanding in a nutshell. And then you have the other style, and there's other styles as well, but the the other main style is what we call avoidant, which is where you learn, I just need to turn off. I just need to avoid. I need to put up walls. Um, This is too much for me. Um, People aren't really there for me consistently, so I'm just going to check out. And when things are bad, I'm going to ditch the situation. And so uh, it sounds like the two of them have this dynamic where when they, they'll, they'll attachment injure each other and the situation will escalate because they'll, they'll continue to trigger each other with um, their language, which is often anger and accusatory. And uh, then at some point he splits. Um, this is a classic avoidant tactic. Uh, it's not out of spite. It is because they are freaking out. And it sounds like Johnny Depp is like, look, you know, I don't want to get into a physical education. So it's to some extent kind of logical. But to the preoccupied person, to the people who exhibit the sort of Amber Heard style of coping, it is extremely triggering because of how abandoning it feels to them. And it's not just like mild abandonment, like, oh, I'm alone. It's it's the sort of abandonment a child feels when they're one year old and they're left in the crib too long. It's the sort of abandonment a three-year-old feels when her father leaves the house and never comes back. It's a sort of abandonment when an adopted child loses their parents from death or some other reason and is put into foster care. It's deep, deep abandonment. And and Amber Heard has, uh, you know, red flags of that. Obviously, I can't diagnose her, but it sounds like that to me. And so, uh, so yeah, uh, but let's continue listening. It's chronic. It happens all the time. And if you do it to go into another room, you do it and you get dressed. You were fucking screaming at me. I'm not going to validate my actions last night. I feel very bad. No, I'm talking in Toronto. I I did not start screaming until you had fucking said all the shit. You poke an animal enough, it is eventually, no matter how friendly it is, how cool, I have not done this to you. I have not said these things to you. I have not started to fight by saying I'm going to get in another room. And I'm not going to sit here and fight about fucking Toronto anymore. Guess what? I let it go. I'm not fucking about, I'm not fucking talking about Toronto. Okay. Wow. This is getting heated. Uh, Okay. So just to review this little clip here, uh, Amber Heard, if this is her, is uh, talking again about splitting. She, it, it sounds to me again, classic 
pursuer distancer, classic pursuer avoidant dynamic where the the preoccupied person is pleading, saying, please don't split, don't leave. When we're in an argument, uh, you can't leave. And uh, because the preoccupied person was treated in a way that they don't uh, have a lot of trust in other people, you know, because of their experience, they they will demand instead of ask nicely. And, uh, to, and this is where couples therapy comes in and I, I, I help people with this. I help preoccupied people with this. It's like, okay, it's totally valid that you don't want to be abandoned. It's, you know, let's look at those feelings. Uh, let's communicate those feelings to your partner so that they can, so they know how, how horrible it feels when they split. Um, because uh, the, the woman in this, if it is Amber Heard, she is um, not saying that. She's just saying, you know, you can't split, don't split. Uh, a, a more functional way would be to say, honey, when you leave so abruptly like that and you don't tell me when you're coming back, because of my you know, relational trauma history um, in my childhood, I plummet emotionally and it is completely dysregulating and I, I become unglued and I, I, I wish that that wasn't happening to me, but it is. And you could really help me out by um, you know, not doing that. And then for the avoidant person, from his side, the functional thing is to say, okay, I'll agree. Thank you for telling me that. I didn't know it was that hard on you. I, I just thought you were just being controlling or something because that's the way it comes across to me. Uh, thanks for being vulnerable instead of demanding and controlling. Um, I will try to, to accommodate that. The other side of this is that when you start yelling and insulting me, it's it's really triggering to me because – uh, it's scary just how angry you get. And uh, and it also just feels futile. Like, why are we even having the conversation if it's just one-sided and you're just yelling at me the whole time? And you, you make all these, like, totally uh, black and white accusations about me that just aren't even true. And, and sometimes you even get violent. And so, uh, you know, there's sometimes when I, I, I leave because I have to. Um, so if you could keep, you know, yourself calm then uh, then I won't have really a need to leave, you know? And then the preoccupied person is like, oh, okay, yeah, you're right. And we'll, we'll both work on this together. I have successfully uh, helped clients, uh, couples who are much worse than this, um, manage those kinds of conversations. It takes time. It takes a lot of self-awareness, you know? For the preoccupied person, they have to become very aware of their own emotions and stop blaming other people for them. Um, uh, their, their their emotions are to partially is partially due to the avoidant person's behaviors, but um, the 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 intensity of the reaction is not. And same with the avoidant. You know, the avoidant person is like, I'm out of here. I, I'm I can't stand this anymore. Uh, some of that is rational, but the intensity of the the walls going up, um, and also the avoidant person kind of leads up to it uh, by. Just being kind of quiet and not really um, le- not leaning enough enough into the relationship, um, but anyway. So in this clip, we hear uh, Johnny Depp is saying, "You know, uh, well, I, I I split because you're screaming at me," and then Amber Heard says, "I'm not going to justify my actions last night." So so this is good. So Amber Heard is apologizing and saying, "You know," which is not really saying I'm sorry, but she's saying I'm not going to justify my actions, which is in the direction of an apology. But then she says. 
you poke an animal enough and you're going to get, you know, the horns or whatever. I can't remember what she said, but she's like, look, you, you know, you poke at me long enough and I'm going to explode. This is a concerning statement. This is the sort of thing that you will hear from a chronic abuser. This is someone who has become so accustomed to their explosive anger that they have a narrative in their mind to justify it that involves a kind of twisted morality that um, it's like you deserved it because you kept poking at me. Um, now, I'm not going to say that Amber Heard is abusive. I, I can't diagnose that. I, I don't even know if this is Amber Heard. Um, I'm also not going to say that Johnny Depp hasn't also been abusive. Uh, I want to be clear on that because in this clip, um, it's just this one conversation and we, we can't tell. Maybe further on in the clip, we'll, we'll know more. But, but, um, but we definitely see some signs of, of violence between the two of them. There are some red flags of, of chronic abuse or at least an attitude of, a, of, of an abusive person from Amber saying this. She also says – she also raises her voice and you know she says, I'm not going to fucking talk about Toronto anymore. And this is the sort of red flags that point in the direction of what in our industry we would call an abusive person, someone who um, has the sort of emotional reactivity – and personal policies and moralities around, look, if you cross a line with me, I'm going to let you have it, which might involve violence. Um, it definitely involves raising my voice. It definitely involves uh, getting big and intimidating you. Um, this is, um, uh, again, it comes from a, uh, from a rational place based on their history. Um, in all likelihood, you know, people like this usually grow up in situations where this was modeled to them by their parents. Their parents were probably doing this as well. And they also, as children, needed to do this in order to get their needs met. Um, it doesn't justify it, but it does explain it. So let's listen to some more. Actually, let's rewind and listen to the whole clip over again and then continue from there. I have not done this to you. I have not said these things to you. I have not started to fight by saying I'm going to get in another room. And I'm not going to sit here and fight about fucking Toronto anymore. Guess what? I let it go. I'm not fucking about, I'm not fucking talking about Toronto. Send me the tapes. I can whisper it. I can write it. Guess what? I'm not saying another fucking word about Toronto. I'm so sick and tired of fucking fighting about old fights. This is not about a fight. This is broad. This is a broad thing. And if I'm telling you every single time you get dressed and you fucking split the top of a fight, you never fucking try and work it out, you never fight for me, you never come to me, you never self-calm, you never self-soothe, you are never the one to throw the olive branch, I'm sick and tired of it, it needs to fucking change. And you can go, I can't meet those demands, I can't do it, or you can fucking promise me so I have a modicum of safety, I feel a modicum of respect, a little tiny shit sliver of fucking like, you are in this whether it is good or bad, whether it is good or bad, down and up, lows and highs, tough and easy. I would love for it to be better. I have no fucking consistency, no safety, no security. The relationship is something, me, is something you don't fight for, you don't stand up for, you always run from when it's tough. I, I'm telling you, I need more, I need, we didn't say vows, you didn't make them exactly in the same, in that, in that way, you know, but 
But now is the fucking time. I need to know if you're going to be there. I want promises. I told you that at the beginning of this conversation. I need promises you're going to fucking be there. I need promises that this is important to you. Not when it's easy. When it's hard, too. Yeah, this is something you'll fight for. That this is something that's sacred. That neither of us throw out every fight. So I just feel really bad listening to this audio. Uh, it's on the internet, so I'm not doing anything that the internet isn't already doing. But if someone had a recording of my arguments with my wife and posted it on the internet, that would not be very cool. I just have to say that. So I, you know, I, I feel really kind of weird even listening to this, let alone contributing to posting it on the internet. This is a private conversation between two people. Um, I I just did a quick kind of Google search. It's already all over the internet. USA Today, Daily Mail, um, all over YouTube. People are already commenting on it. So uh, I guess uh, I, you know my little contribution to that noise isn't much. But I, I want everyone to, as they're listening to this, just kind of take it easy on these two people, particularly Amber Heard, because Amber Heard's not coming across as that great in this in this clip um if we all had a you know someone recording us um and again from the reports it sound they're saying that it was actually amber heard's phone that recorded this so she was the main person recording this and um you know somehow johnny depp got a hold of it i I think it's pretty uncool to actually uh publish it uh but people are saying look amber heard is claiming that she was a victim and a very vocal uh, uh, claiming that she's a victim of uh, massive amounts of abuse from Johnny Depp. And perhaps that's true because we can't refute that based on this clip. Um, and uh, and has also come out saying that she was never a victim uh, and, or that she was never a perpetrator. Sorry. And Johnny Depp has come forward and said that, um, you know, it was lies and she's misrepresenting the truth. And she said, no, I'm not lying. And so in some ways, I guess it kind of makes sense that Johnny Depp and his team would be like, look, American or the world, I need you all to understand, like, there's another side to the story. And if she's going to continue to lie, then um, we need to, you know, defend ourselves. Uh, If she's going to lie to the public, then we're going to justify ourselves to the public. You know, I don't know how this works legally or anything like that, but I, I just want to say, as a as a human being, and as a couples therapist, and as a person who's been in fights um, that probably won't sound very good if they're recorded and pasted on the internet, I just I just feel terrible for these two individuals. That you know, divorce is really tough, and I've been with a lot of clients through it, both couples and individuals, and the kids, and. It's just a really tough time. There's there's a lot of our um, you know deepest insecurities and and traumas and pains are triggered and touched upon, and we come out swinging and we say things that we wouldn't say normally, and we feel things we wouldn't feel normally. And uh, so I, I just want to say that, having said all that, if if either one of them or both of them are abusive, it doesn't justify any of that. Um, going through a divorce and having feelings isn't a justification for abuse. But again, as a, as someone who I, I've treated both victims and uh, perpetrators, so um, I, I you know I've I've been around the block a few times when when it comes to this thing, when it comes to this sort of thing. I, I know how awful domestic violence and intimate partner violence can be. Um, it it's 
if you've never been through it, um, it's hard to imagine just how scary it, it is. I've experienced it firsthand, and uh, it's no joke. Like the 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 intimidation and the fear that is induced, basically. And and for people that are like, well, how could Amber Heard abuse um, Johnny Depp? I mean, she's a woman, and he's a man. He he has more money. He has more power. Uh, yeah, those are all factors to consider, but. Uh, you can be abused by a very small person. You can be abused by a person you know, that has a hard time moving. Maybe they're in a wheelchair or something uh, because when you – know, most of us operate on a, on a similar kind of moral or behavioral guideline of just like, well, yeah, when you're upset, you can say certain things, but you can't cross a certain line. And when we as human beings see people crossing lines that – we don't think are normal for people to cross, then it throws everything into question. You wonder like, well, if they're capable of crossing the line there, what else are they capable of doing? Kind of a classic example in intimate partner violence is you'll have the uh, perpetrator uh, throw a chair against the wall. And although the chair is far away from the victim, uh, the implication to the victim is, look, this chair could be you or that wall could be you. Or I'm so angry, I'm so out of control that I can't guarantee that I'm not going to smash your face into the wall. Uh, there's all these implications that are extremely terrifying to people, especially when you live with them, especially when you have kids with them. And if you were taught growing up that you're worthless and you don't have a voice, but even if you are raised well, I mean, there are people who are raised uh, very well and very securely, but they get mixed up with uh, a scary, abusive person like this, and the the perpetrator will will break you down. Uh, now, some of these people are psychopathic. I just want to point out and, and sadistic, but the vast majority of them, and uh, my because I've treated perpetrators, are uh, you know relationally traumatized growing up and have learned that in order to get their needs met, they got to get big and they got to get angry. And again, this was modeled to them growing up, and so. It feels moral to them. It feels normal to them. And afterwards, even when they do feel guilty, they'll they because the ego is really struggling with the memories of what they've done. They will have these very um, elaborate mental gymnastics techniques in denial, re-narrativizing. You know, we heard Amber Heard say, "Look, you're gonna you poke someone long enough, you're gonna get it." Uh, that's that's that that ego attempt at trying to like, wait, so how, how do I reconcile the fact that I feel like I'm a good person and I still did those things? Um, our brains have a lot of ability to, to do that. Um, I, I can't diagnose Amber Heard. I don't know that for sure, obviously, um, but uh, I'm just you know saying in general in the, in the people that I've treated. Um, I want to go into a little bit of the history in case you don't know about the history of Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. So Amber Heard, if you don't know her, she's an actress who's been in a lot of movies and TV shows over the past 15 years or so. You might remember her in the most recent Aquaman movie. Johnny Depp doesn't need any introduction. I'm sure you know who he is. They started their relationship about nine years ago, 2011. She was about 24 and he was about 48, so he was about twice her age. There's nothing wrong with that, uh, but you know, just for context. They were in a dating relationship seemingly for about four years. They got married in 2015, and then a very short year later, they divorced in 2016. So it seems like soon after they got married, uh, and maybe even before they got married, things um, were conflictual between the two of them. 
Um, there's lots of details on the internet about their breakup. If if you're aware of it, you're aware of it. If you're not, just know that the internet has since their divorce in 2016. The internet uh, for the past four years has has been quite alive when it comes to Amber Heard and Johnny Depp, and most people are defending Johnny Depp because during the divorce, Amber Heard accused Johnny Depp of being um, a drug addict and a abusive, literal. The word she used the word monster in the in the um, documentation that she provided. She's like he, you know, the monster hit me. The monster did that, and a lot of people, you know, were having a really hard time. Uh, reconciling uh, her account of him with their impression of him. Um, so, you know, it, it's hard, you know, to know what was happening. Um, but anyway, so they they went through a difficult divorce. Uh, she, you know, had a temporary restraining order taken out against him. Um, they reached a settlement soon later, and he paid her $7 million, um, which I'm guessing isn't that much when it comes to the sort of payouts that divorced couples will experience. Um, I mean, she she has a lot of money herself because she's a famous person as well. But, but anyway, he paid her $7 million, which she apparently donated to the ACLU and to the Children's Hospital in Los Angeles. Um, the divorce was finalized in 2017, and they issued a joint – because they settled. So they issued a joint statement saying, quote, their relationship was intensely passionate and at times volatile. But always bound by love, neither party has made false accusations for financial gain. There was never any intent of physical or emotional harm, unquote. So basically, they're trying to clean up the rigmarole that was going through the internet. They're saying, look, yeah, we were, we were passionate and volatile, but we were always you know, in love. Neither party made false accusations for financial gain. There was you know, never any intent of physical or emotional harm. Uh, because there's a lot of accusation, accusations for Amber Heard. It's like, oh, she's lying about the abuse just because she wants a bunch of money. And one, she actually, from my understanding, didn't get a, that big of a payout. And then she immediately donated all of that, which is you know pretty big of her when you think about it. I mean, $7 million to the ACLU and to Children's Hospital. I mean, man, that's a, that's a you don't usually hear that kind of story, you know? Anyway, again, lots of chatter on the internet, lots of shock that Johnny Depp was accused of battering his wife. Uh, many people defended Johnny Depp. Many others defended Amber Heard as well. You know, a lot of people. This is again during the Me Too movement, right? So you're just like, look, Amber Heard. Just because you like Johnny Depp as an actor doesn't mean that he can't be abusive. You know, I mean, look at Bill Cosby and this kind of thing. Um, when I heard the, you know, the little bit that I managed to, you know, that was uh, hear about because I wasn't that interested in the story. But the little bit I did hear about, it was it was hard to know really what happened. I mean, her her allegations definitely seemed credible, and and although I've grown up with him, and and I mean, I I remember watching him in the eighties on Twenty One Jump Street as a as a teenager, and um, you know him and uh, Rico, and uh, uh, so I've. It was hard for me to imagine it too, but I told since I'm a clinician and I, you know, and just a human being in this society, I know better. I, you know, I certainly grew up loving. I mean, my family loved Bill Cosby for decades. We used to have the comedy records. We watched the Huxtables, blah blah blah. And when those allegations came out, it's quite a big shocker. So it's not hard to imagine that Johnny Depp might also um, have a secret life behind the scenes. Um, 
the other thing to consider is that accusers usually are telling the truth um, because there's so many negative consequences to coming forward. Again, all we have to look, look to are cases like Bill Cosby, Harvey Weinstein to see that victims for decades uh, either came forward and were um, you know, shut down or disbelieved or abused um, or they learned that rather quickly and didn't come forward. And so uh, usually accusers like Amber Heard are – are credible, you know, we should we should listen to them. Uh, that's that's my general policy. Having said that, um, it's not like people don't occasionally lie. They do. It's rare. I just want to say on the scale of things, but it does happen. So um, when Amber Heard came forward, I remember being like, "Oh wow, okay." You know, I guess we have to. I have to now kind of rework in my mind my idea of of Johnny Depp, as I have with so many other people that I grew up with. Um, but on the other hand, there were reports that Amber Heard might be lying. Um, I don't really remember the details, but there were certainly a lot of people that were you know, poking holes in her uh, accusation. Um, I didn't really draw much conclusions around it because I know better than to claim that I have a bead on the reality of, of a situation based on news reports. But anyway um, – after the divorce, as I've been saying, Amber Heard became very outspoken about domestic violence and sexual violence and intimate partner violence. And in all of her advocacy and giving speeches and tweets and everything, she was essentially saying or implying that um, she was the victim of massive, massive abuse by Johnny Depp. Not just mild abuse from him, but um, monstrous abuse by him. And so her, her advocacy, she wasn't, you know, when she was giving speeches, it wasn't like she was just saying, you know, I advocate for victims and we got to raise awareness. You know, she, she would frequently say things like, I, as a, as a victim myself of massive monstrous abuse, as all of you know, you know, she was very outspoken and, you know, kept speaking in these ways, uh, basically continuing to accuse Johnny Depp well after the divorce and, and the settlement. Um, now, I will say, in my opinion, most, if not all, of Amber Heard's uh, advocacy is um, well. I I receive it well. Uh, we do need to raise awareness for intimate partner violence. We do need to reach out to victims. We do need to reach out to perpetrators and help them as well. Um, whether or not she's lying about Johnny Depp or not, uh, but I will also say that if she is lying, uh, then that's quite an immoral act, right? Uh, to to paint a picture of another human being in a public way in that way, uh, if it is lies, is, you know, it's pretty shocking. In the years after the divorce, there was lots of tabloid stuff, TMZ, this kind of thing. For example, Amber Heard was in some sort of scuffle with Seattle police, actually. And uh, Amber Heard accused the arresting officer of being homophobic um, because Amber Heard was um, in a lesbian gay relationship with a woman and uh, she was saying that she was being harassed by Seattle police because, you know, she was gay. But later on, it was discovered that the arresting officer was, in fact, an openly gay woman. Um, and so it made Amber Heard look bad in that respect. But I obviously have no idea. I mean, TMZ, God knows if they're telling the truth or they have a, you know, good sources. Um and and so in the tabloids, it seemed like most people were defending Johnny Depp, really, in my sort of pocket of, of culture. I don't know if I'm just in an echo chamber. And then last year, 2019, Johnny Depp shot back and started to defend himself. My impression is that it was because Amber Heard kept speaking out 
publicly, again, either directly saying or implying that Johnny Depp was a monster and an abuser and kind of going against the the public statement that they released um, after their divorce. And so he started to shoot back his, him and his lawyers. Um, it's complicated, but essentially he's saying that um, she's you know ruining his reputation and that Amber Heard was in fact the abuser and that he was in fact the victim. There's more fighting, um, more lawyers, blah, blah, blah. Um, again, it's hard to know what's really happening. But then I start listening to this audio and it's like, huh, you definitely get a much more elaborate idea of their relationship as you listen to this audio, right? But okay, so that's the history in a nutshell. You experts out there probably can poke holes a little bit in what I'm saying, but that's the gist of it. Let's continue listening to the audio. Actually, I'm not going to play all the audio. I'm just going to kind of skip forward to the most relevant parts. If you want to listen to the full audio, there are other websites that are playing the full thing. It is easy to run. It is easy to run away from problems. It is easy to take that out and say, well, that's the easiest. I mean, that's the best, safest. That's the safest way out. I'm not saying we should get in physical altercations. I never want to be in that. Never. But every time you don't like what I say and you fucking run away, we'll never work out anything. You can't run away every fight. So again, we're hearing her complaining about him splitting. Again, just totally normal complaint between a pursuer distancer preoccupied avoidant uh, couple. It's a very, very common refrain. Um, And she's not functionally uh, making the request. The more functional request is to say, when you leave, this is how it makes me feel. So can you please try to take it easy on me? The other functional thing is that if he does need to leave, she needs to find other ways to regulate her emotions, which might be really hard if she isn't being treated effectively by a you know, a clinician. But anyway, let's continue. You can't. It's easy. It's it's not brave. It's not strong. It's harder to say to somebody, I want to work this out. I want to face what I have. I want to face what you have. I want to work it out with you. You're not working it out. You're running away. And then you make me be the bigger person every single time and come to you and knock on the door and come to this house and say, hey, we're married. It's supposed to be sacred. Come down. You. Calm down. I made you. Yes, by default. If you're never the one to do it, one of us is, and I'm the one to do it every time. So I just want to point out the avoidant side of this equation. It's easy to vilify the preoccupied side, but both are uh, engaging in a dysfunctional dance, and the avoidant person is, uh, you know, essentially just as responsible. I don't want to if, – if Johnny Depp is, in fact, an, an ongoing victim of abuse, I'm not going to blame the victim here. But if we're just using this as an example of – the preoccupied avoidant style. I, I want to point out that the avoidant style is is to put up so many walls um, and to not um, see opportunities for uh, functional uh, dialogue. She's saying, you know, you can't leave. You can't leave. Now, that's not functional. She can't. She's trying to control him. She's saying you can't leave when you're upset. Um, that is a classic, I want to say, red flag for abuse, by the way, of, of trying to control um, when people can leave the room. It, it's a pretty classic abuse thing that people will do, um, either mildly or, or in you know, quite uh, aggressive ways. But getting to the avoidance side here, we hear the preoccupied person talking a lot, saying a lot of things. Uh, and if you read between the, between the lines, you can clearly hear someone who is desperate, who is hurt who wants reassurance and is looking for a solution here. Um, She's, again, 
it's not a f- super functional way of communicating that. But, you know, she's trying. And the avoidant person is saying nothing. Now, may, we don't know what the avoidant person's um, facial expression is, but um, it, it stands to reason the avoidant person is, is not giving a lot of sort of positive, encouraging feedback to this. Now, most of us can understand if you're being barked at, it's hard to, you know, um, engage with that and, and react well to that. But um, when I work with couples, um, I, I, you know, try to get both of them to do the best that they can in the circumstances. And and what I, if I was a little birdie in the avoidant person's ear, I'd say, okay, you know, read between the lines. What is she saying? You know, try to reflect that because she's getting worked up. And if you don't interrupt this cycle, you know where it's going to go. And so, you know, find what you can agree with. Tell her that you love her. Tell her that you're sorry. Tell her that you can't guarantee you're not going to split because you become triggered. Tell her you understand how much it hurts her. Tell her you're going to try not to split. Or if you do split, it'll just be for a little bit and you'll come back because you are dedicated to the relationship. Because that's basically what the preoccupied person is asking deep down is, do you love me? Um, Do you want to work on this relationship? Um, Are you dedicated enough to this process? That's essentially what she's saying. And I have found that when you reassure that, that they definitely will calm down. Um, The preoccupied person often doesn't know that's what they're saying, Um, what they're what they're consciously aware of is I need to control this person. I need to get them to stop splitting, uh, which seems like what they want, but actually isn't what they want. Because if you control people, they emotionally will check out, which of course is not what they want. But because of the way they were modeled to growing up and because of their misunderstanding of their own attachment injuries and attachment um, notifications, if you will, um, they will say things that um, are uh, counter actually to what they actually want anyway. But we hear uh, – or actually, we don't hear the avoidant person saying much. And then the avoidant person chimes in with an argument, So, uh, which isn't helpful, right? It's not helpful to sit there in an argument like this and not respond and not offer anything and then only chime in when you want to refute a point. So for you preoccupied people out there, you've been involved with avoidant people like Johnny Depp who just sit there, they don't say anything, and then uh, they, when they do say something, it's, they're like quibbling about a, a minor point. There's nothing wrong with defending yourself, and Johnny Depp is you know, pot- potentially rationally defending himself in this way. But if Johnny Depp... If the avoidant person in this equation is truly dedicated to actually trying to make this better, the avoidant person needs to talk more. The avoidant person needs to connect with their own feelings and, and maybe assert themselves more and maybe push back more uh, and not just sit there behind the walls and only shoot arrows out every now and then. Um, that That's not a functional way to, to work on this. Again, we understand why because when you're being barked at, it's hard. And Johnny Depp in all likelihood is being massively triggered because he, in his relational traumas, probably has a lot of triggered uh, trauma reaction to being yelled at aggressively and accused and this kind of thing. And it causes him to shut down and makes it hard harder for him to have compassion for his spouse, his wife in this situation. But this is it's 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 harder to see how the avoidant person plays into the into the into the dynamic because. Um, it's easier to point a finger at the loud person and go like, stop it. But the quiet person is just as potentially responsible for kind of sucking in the demanding person. <laughs> um, and, or at least the, 
they're just as capable of redirecting the conversation if they have a different pattern, if that makes any sense. Anyway, let's uh, rewind the tape a little bit and, and listen. But every time you don't like what I say and you fucking run away, we'll never work out anything. You can't run away every fight. You can't. It's easy. It's it's not brave. It's not strong. It's harder to say to somebody, I want to work this out. I want to face what I have. I want to face what you have. I want to work it out with you. You're not working it out. You're running away. And then you made me be the bigger person every single time and come to you and knock on the door and come to this house and say, hey, we're married. It's supposed to be sacred. Come down. You. Calm down. I made you. Yes, by default. If you're never the one to do it, one of us is, and I'm the one to do it every time. It means I'm the bigger person every time. It means I have to be the strong one. It means every time I have to fight for our relationship. And you get to be not, you get to be lazy. You get to be cowardly. I don't then know what, what it is. What are you is. here for? What do you need me Once for? Once again, I am fighting for the relationship. I With want a guy that you don't fucking trust or like? Why? I did not say I didn't like you. I love you. You're my favorite person in the world. I don't see how. I remember what I said at the beginning. I'm sorry you feel like you can't imagine it. But I said this to you at the beginning of this conversation. I said, you're my favorite person in the whole world. If you weren't the most magnetic, shiny, beautiful, interesting, dynamic person I had ever met in my life, it would be so easy to walk away from this bratty thing that you do. Untrustworthy. Did you hear what I just said? I said I can't trust. I can't trust. That's not meaning you're untrustworthy. It means we've created a situation. And I'm telling you what you do to create it, too. We've created a situation in which there, it, there cannot, trust can't grow. It's like it's trampled every single time. And we need a marriage. That's why I sat down. Do you not remember me sitting down at the very beginning of this conversation and saying just that to you? Say, I know you got married for security and for safety. So did I. We did not get married because it was something that we're doing you know for because it was something we could walk away we wanted the state a foundation no i want yes i wanted to make you my wife I yes yes but you could just have me as your girlfriend if you didn't want the foundation and you told me and maybe you go back on it now fine okay cool lie about that i don't know you told me you wanted a foundation you told me you wanted the security you wanted the safety you liked the foundation at the beginning you said i really like having that it feels safe so oh, don't argue course. with me when i say it now i'm not arguing with you Oh, yeah, but you had to pick it apart. By saying because I loved you and you're my wife, I wanted you to be my wife, that's picking it apart? No. Then how did I pick it apart? No, I, I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to fight about a fight. I want to fight about the semantics. I want to how come when I come up with a point, you can't answer it? You don't want, or suddenly you don't want to answer it? What am I not answering? Because I don't want to talk, fight about this new thing? No, I don't want to. I said you wanted the safety and security, and you stopped me. You interrupted me, and then you said, "What? Because I we, 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 no, because I wanted to have you as I my." I didn't interrupt you. You asked me, right? You said, right? I meant you interjected. I meant you said. You said. How about that? See now, is this better? I answered you. I addressed what you're saying. Now, can we please not fight about that? And I said, because I love you. I said loved. The patron who sent me this audio, I, I apologize, I don't remember your name, uh, but thank you for sending this to me. Uh, I uh, emailed, I listened to a little bit of it and I emailed him back and I was just like, yeah, this is, you know, this sounds pretty normal to me. I, I work with couples like this and I've had sessions like this. I've had sessions worse than this. And he shot back that I was a saint for, for enduring this kind of uh, back and forth between people. 
And I don't think I'm a saint. That's silly. Uh, all couples therapists um, deal with this sort of thing. Um, so I guess we're we're potentially all saints. But I, I don't think that. I think that it comes from experience. Couple therapy is the most counter-transference uh, provoking types of therapy. Um, uh, in other words, couples therapy, because I've done all kinds, group therapy, individual, infants, kids, teens, families, individuals, you know, you name it, I've done, I've done it all. And uh, although group therapy can be pretty tough too, depending on the population, couples therapy, ongoing couples therapy is the most emotionally provoking form of therapy for the therapist. And if you're listening to this and your heart is kind of racing or you're, you know, you find yourself wanting to throw your phone at the wall because of um, hearing you know, either one of them talk and you don't like either one of them or you don't like both of them or maybe you don't like me. I don't know. Um, it's uh, normal. Uh, when I, I supervise people, uh, I've supervised a lot of couples therapists. I train a lot of couples therapists and and they always hit this wall where they're just like, I don't know if I can do this. It is so hard to sit with couples as they do this to each other. Because the other thing is, is you become triangulated into it as the therapist and the couple will turn on you a lot of times and make you feel bad about yourself, not uh, necessarily consciously, but but uh, it it frequently makes couples feel powerless, um, judgmental, dysregulated. I think we're all just sort of thrown back to our own conflicts, and we're also thrown back to our childhoods. I mean, when our parents were having difficulties or something, and um, it's it's a very tough thing. So. Um, so I just I feel just so terrible for these two people. I just feel really bad for these two people. Um, you know, I, I just can't imagine the um, tabloid s storm that is going to happen around these two people. And and there are reports that Johnny Depp's legal team have a, a lot more recordings like this that are coming. Uh, so there's going to be a potentially a lot of these recordings uh, posted on the internet. And uh, I mean, it just. It just breaks my heart, really, for these two people. Because if my impression, of course, I can't diagnose and assess. I have no idea based on this recording and what's on the internet. But there's a possibility that the two of them um, had this dynamic of preoccupation and avoidance and had a lot of conflict and were trying really hard um, to make it work for, you know, a good four or five years. And, um you know, loved each other at one point and had a lot of affection for each other. I mean, Johnny Depp married her, and and so and she, she married him. And uh, uh, I'm guessing that my impression is that they were definitely violent with each other. Um, it, I, I'm guessing they were both terrified of each other's violence, and they were both perpetrators and victims. Um, now, how much was one person more a perpetrator than the other? Hard to say. In this clip, it's definitely the needle's definitely pointing in the preoccupied person's uh, uh, lap than the avoidant person. But this is just one clip; it's hard to tell. Um, but anyway, my impression is, based on other couples that I've treated like this, that um, they were, you know, rather than trying to decide who's more to blame, uh, they're both perpetrators and they're both victims, and. Then to have this, um, you know, years later after the relationship has ended, to have this, you know, all come to light and this to be completely relitigated. Now, 
what the Johnny Depp team will say is, well, the only reason why we're doing this is because Amber Heard continued to um, make accusations publicly about Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp wasn't saying anything. I don't know if that's even true. But anyway, it's just it's just really hard. In this clip, what we hear is they are fighting to win the argument. Um, so that's another point I want to bring up in, in that last clip was just that they're both trying to win. It's clear. And that's a universal thing that couples will get into. Uh, they they have this fantasy that if they outmaneuver the other person verbally, that the other person will concede and be like, oh, my God, you're right. Um, you win the argument. I'm wrong. Your needs are important and I love you and that, all that kind of stuff. And, of course, that never happens. When, when you're trying to win, both people lose. But anyway, let's continue listening. I answered you. I addressed what you're saying. Now, can we please not fight about that? And I said... Because I love you. He said loved. Well, we're talking about a fucking event this past tense. If I used loved, uh, my apologies, it doesn't mean I don't love you now. So this is good. It seems like they might be trying, you know, getting to a good place here. Let's continue listening. My whole point that you had, I don't know, an issue with is that you love me. Yes, you married me, though, because you wanted some safety, some security, some stability, a foundation. Of course I want that with you. It's why I married you. But I need the safety. I need the security. I need the boundaries. And I think you... Could you not agree? I need need the same things. So, I... When you start flipping out, and I can't get a word in, and it's, it's, you know, manic and angry... What the fuck, Amber? I get angry. I get, I'm human. Just try. Let's both try. If there's anger, if there's something fucking really, really fucking poking us in the ass, let's try. Try not to fucking fight. Try to address it without jumping down each other's throats because all that's going to do is build a mountain of fucking uh, resentment uh, uh, some species of fucking hatred within the love and and uh, uh, totally fucking mistrust because you say you don't trust me you don't trust me I get it okay I'm flake I'm a this I'm a that I didn't say as a person I was speaking specifically about this I don't trust the marriage. I don't trust you. I don't feel safe with it because you always fucking bail on it. So this is just a continuation of, you know, what I've been saying before is you hear the avoidant person saying, can you please just try not to freak out, which is a way of saying, please don't trigger me with your anger and your intimidation and your, you know, dominant talking and your... Um, accusations of my, you know, personality, and then the the preoccupied person is saying, "Please don't split." Um, and this is the central question, you know, to them is, um, "Do you love me enough to not abandon me?" The preoccupied person is saying fundamentally. The avoidant person is saying, "Do you love me enough to treat me kindly and to not?" you know, get angry. Uh, and, but the conscious things they're saying is, uh, the, you know, the avoidant person is accusing the preoccupied person and saying, you freak out too much. You're a hothead. 
and the preoccupied person is saying, you are an abandoner. You're like a flake. And uh, if they stay in this, although they're calm now and, and things are getting in a good direction, unless they actually understand that underlying attachment uh, triggering back and forth, it's going to be hard for them to navigate their way out of it. Let's continue listening. Let's actually fast forward a little bit. You know, I want the trust back. I don't, you can deflect all you want, say it's my fault, say how dare I get angry at you ever, whatever. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I don't and know. I don't, and I don't know. You. I don't know what. And the sometimes thing is. I don't. I don't want to fucking be there and go through the shit. I don't, man. I don't. I know. I don't want to because I don't want to fucking fight. But it doesn't have to be one. It's not like I'm saying, "Hey, choose fight." You just said I get mad. I'm going to scream. No, I didn't say oh, that's always the case. I said. Yeah, I'm mad. It happens. It happens. Yes, I know. It happens often. If you think I'm some fucking tyrant or bully, then don't fucking be with me. But don't sit here and insult me like I have a f I'm the fuck up because I have the but you're audacity the one to get saying me. Saying that I'm the tyrant and the bully and the and at the same time the the, the guy that runs bully. away and you the are you run away every single fight. Okay, so, I mean, then what are you doing I'm not doing lying with me? about it. Then what are you doing with me? I already answered that. I already said that we went through this conversation literally five minutes ago. I answered this already five minutes ago. You just said to me that I shouldn't be with you. No, I said if That's you... That's I feel. No, I said if I'm some, you know, harping bully, which is what you make me sound like. Like, I'm, like, constantly on you, making you feel bad. That's because that's what I do. Again, because they don't understand their – they, they appear to not understand their attachment issues that all of us have, they are quickly escalating again. They don't have a foundation to go back to that is functional. And so as they continually trigger each other, you can hear their voices are you know getting louder and their accusations of each other are getting harsher. And uh, the, you know, the always statements and the never statements start to happen. You hear her saying that. It's like, you always do this. You always do that. That's how it feels to her in the time. It's, it's not accurate. Um, and that could be very hurtful to the avoidant person because he's like, I'm not always like that. You know, why are you saying that? There's so many other, you know, instances. And you, you just get into this uh, tit for tat, this arguing back and forth, and they're not getting anywhere because, again, they, they don't have – they don't have they don't have an understanding of like okay how do we get back what's the most functional conversation we can have um, they they have yet to exhibit that because um, I, I'm guessing maybe they're not in therapy I don't know but um, or with a good attachment based couples therapist um, as well but um, you just hear that you know this escalation of you always and no 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 and you also hear them saying you know why are you even with me you'll you you'll hear people you you will hear people say that when they are triggered. You know, they're just like, wow, you know, man, that really hurt what you just said. They won't say that. What they will say is, well, why are you with me then? Um, again, a more functional statement to say is, wow, what you just said, it really hurt my feelings. Um, that gives the other person an opportunity to engage in their compassion, which is there, um, and say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. But when you say things like, well, why are you even with me? Well, that just furthers trigger the other person because – in this moment, these two you know, people, the preoccupied and the avoidant person, 
all they want is attachment security. All they're looking for is like, do you love me? Am I lovable? Are, can I trust you? Do you care? Um, that's what they're looking for, and they uh, you know, are frequently missing the mark. So let's continue listening. And then you ignore everything. You take me for granted. You're ignoring everything that I do for you. You make me sound terrible. You talk about me in a terrible way. You, uh, you do not fight for me. And then you want to sit here and make me sound so terrible to be around. Fight for you you don't I, everything I've already explained. No, ten minutes. No fight for you. I don't understand. Is you that? never ever do the work. Put in the work. If we're arguing about something, you don't ever try to get to the bottom of it. Figure out. Make the peace. You want to make it easy on you. So you split. You don't fight for me. You don't fight when there's a problem. You don't come to me. You don't uh, uh, make peace with me. You never extend an olive branch. You're never the bigger guy. You're never the one that's like, okay, I'm going to put my own feelings aside for a second and say, this is bigger than us. Let's stop fighting. You never are the one to come and knock on my door. You take me for granted. It's not true. It's not true. I'm not the one who fucking throws fucking pots and that's different else at me that's different that's one does not <laughs> negate the other that's irrelevant it's a complete non sequitur just because I've thrown pots and pans does not mean that you Vase come and knock on the door just because there are vases does not mean that you come and knock on the door really I should just let you throw I'm not saying that you're saying that you're putting words in my mouth and then making no, non sequiturs giving you a situation okay so that's interesting they're basically talking about how she will throw things, I'm guessing at him, pots and pans, and, and she's not refuting that idea. She seems to be confirming it. Uh, another tick mark on the you know Johnny Depp defense team that she, in fact, was the abuser or at least participated in the abuse or something. So that's not looking too good for Amber Heard. Again, I just feel so bad for these people <laughs> that this is on the Internet. Um, I, I hope people understand that uh, this is on the Internet. I, I, I'm not I'm a tiny little, you know, uh, shall we say a, a drop of water in a vast ocean. on the internet. I just want to resolve myself for. So I just want everyone to take it easy on these people because this is, you know, just imagine. Anyway, let's continue. Let's I'll rewind the tape. We'll listen again. It's not true. I'm not the one who fucking throws fucking pots and Those are diff- whatever that's the different. fucking else at me. That's different. That's one does not <laughs> negate the other. That's irrelevant. It's a complete non sequitur. Just because I've thrown pots and pans does not mean that you Vase come and knock on the door. Just because there are vases does not mean that you come and knock on the door. Really? I should just let you throw... I'm not saying that. You're saying that. You're putting words in my mouth and then making no, non sequiturs. I'm giving you a situation. No, you're trying to justify how you don't or do come to the door no, based I'm on whether justifi- I throw pots and pans. It's irrelevant. No, I'm justifying how you... you, you, you seem to think that there's this cowardice in me that runs away and I don't fight for you. And you're justifying that by saying I throw pots and pans? Okay, cool. Let's no, talk about everything you do wrong. I'm not the one who fucking did that. I don't fucking... I didn't... So that makes so that makes sense. So that I... That's no. clear. Yeah. Do I... Do I, The only time I ever threw anything at you was when you fucking are you, threw the cans at me in Australia. Why are you trying to justify who throws things based because on whether or that, not you come knocking on the door. And because that is a fucking irrational and violent fucking maneuver. How so a man would want to get out of that area so that he doesn't get so fucking angry that he actually does pop the fucking wife. Uh, how does one inform the other? Oh, man. 
Okay, so there we hear him implying that there's a justification for him hitting her. Uh, and as a way of self-defense is basically the way he's narrativizing it. Hard to tell who's justified here, who's not. They're both basically admitting to being violent with each other. In this instance, it sounds like the avoidant person is being, um, you know, is defending themselves. And um, if I'm, I'm guessing if there was a jury of peers, most of them would be on the avoidant person's side here. But... Um, but again, it, this isn't this isn't as they're recording this. I, my impression is that they're recording it just for them, just for them to listen to, and even hear them actually referring to a tape. Like, oh, listen to the tape, because I'm I'm guessing that you know they were they were creating these tapes for themselves, and but you know we hear them both admitting to violence. Uh, who's more to blame? You know, we might not ever know, but clearly there's some perpetration from both sides. Go home and listen to the tape. <laughs> Please. That's what they're for. Yes. You listen to the fucking tape. Oh, I'm gonna. So will I. I'm not gonna sit here and promise you'll never get mad at you or that you'll never fuck up. I know you want to live in a land, in a world where everyone just says yes to you and doesn't question you or criticize you ever. Don't ever. insult me like that, please. But... That's not the case. That's not why you're with me. I am honest with you. I'm sorry. You don't want to be held accountable. I get it. I'm no not sure you're so honest with me. Well, that's your... Watching you live in front of Travis last night. You're, you're really that's your problem, and that's your whole thing that you've created. Again, we hear narrativizing of the abuse as justified you know there there's a, a spin on the abuse of just like well i did it because of, of this reason i do it only because i'm an honest person um i you know that's that's the spin the my anger and my violence is just honesty i'm just being honest about my feelings i'll hear that sometimes people people will say like so i'm not supposed to communicate my feelings and i'll be like uh Yes, you absolutely can communi communicate your feelings. They just can't be in, a, in an abusive fashion. You can certainly say, I'm extremely angry right now, and I'm extremely hurt right now. And you can communicate that in a lot of ways that don't involve breaking vases and throwing things and hitting people, for sure. The other thing here, we hear them start to refer to this person named Travis, and I'm not quite sure, but I think Travis is actually an assistant of Johnny Depp or something and may have witnessed some of the violence, and so let's continue listening. So I'm not going to sit here and go over every fight we've had. I'm not going to refight this fight. You have something you're holding on to about Travis. Fucking go. Fucking go fuck. You know, go do it. Go run away together. I don't know what you're fucking holding on to, but you have created that. I have no part of that. I don't know what you're fucking latched onto in your brain, what stray hairs have fucking commingled and tangled in your brain to make you think you've really figured some sort of thing out, but this is not unusual for you. It's like almost every fight I can pretty much guarantee you find something that you can like manipulate. Let's, let's ask Travis tonight. If you yes, why don't we him. invite Travis into our, our, into our fucked up, broken ass, three fucking wheeled truck of a marriage why don't we crash it straight into the wall because no one knows us better than fucking Travis. You're just afraid that the truth will come out. What truth? That you lied. What are you fucking talking about? I didn't fucking even have a, a, a fucking 
that you, there's a new thing that you've convinced yourself no, is a lie. I said to you, you Amber, tell Travis what you just did. Did you just fucking, <laughs> did you punch me in the fucking jaw? Did you fucking kick? Did you? Uh-huh. Did you? And you wouldn't say a fucking reason. I don't know what oh, you're talking so about. Lied. Never fucking, I see the never lie. fucking happened. I see the lie. You really should run with this. In fact, maybe you and Travis can like go and like, you know, do a tell-all about what a, hey, what, you stop. know, an investigative stop study. Stop with the attitude, right? Stop with the attitude. Sorry. You're getting all bunched up. Sorry. So this is interesting. Uh, she uh, is being accused of being a, a, you know, of saying a lie. And she's trying to defend herself. It's hard to know what's going on here. But then we hear at the end that the avoidant person says, hey, you're getting all bunched up. Calm down. And then the preoccupied person says, sorry, sorry, sorry. So in this instance, we're seeing them, they have a mechanism to return them to baseline, uh, which is functional in a way, but they still don't have a direction to go in once they get there. I'm not sitting here and no, fighting with you about the, with the fight that After we had last night. After you got physically violent with me, I texted Travis. I said, come up here because I, I didn't want anything to, to happen. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's coming well, save me. No, go ahead, continue. You, 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 Travis, to the rescue. No, that, no, that was the last one. You can go, uh, you go. That was the last insult. Yeah, you, you, you called me a liar, and yet, yeah, yet. I watched you lie. You called me a liar? I watched you lie. I You're heard it. I was right there. There's no what you still haven't told me what lie it is. We'll talk but yet every single fucking time. We'll you know you Chavis. do this every single fucking we'll time. Talk to I'm not fucking talking to nobody. No, fuck that. You fucking. go fucking jerk go jerk him off. I don't care. I really could care less. Again, hard to listen to, but right here we see a red flag of an abusive pattern. The woman is saying, uh, you know, she, she's being accused of being abusive and then lying about the abuse. And instead of uh, you know, talking about this directly or even apologizing, uh, she is trying to distract by, or at least appears that way anyway, by saying like, oh, well, you know, just why don't you guys run off together and have sex? You know, oh, you know, Travis to the rescue and and this trying to put the victim down, um, trying to denigrate the victim to, to derail them somehow. Uh, when the perpetrators are accused... And I've seen this firsthand because I've treated perpetrators. They will pull out some of the oddest um, sort of points to bring up because they're they're so cornered, and to admit that they've done something wrong is 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 a is akin to admitting that they're unlovable and that they're um, they're going to be alone forever. And that's the thing I really want people to understand. There are psychopathic, sadistic perpetrators for sure who. Uh, you know, just see other people as instruments to their own needs and they don't really care. But the vast majority of perpetrators, the perpetrators I've treated, I, they are deep down extremely insecure and are so hurt and so scared that they have to come out swinging hard. The, the most aggressive people you know are likely the, the most scared people you know. And so when they are cornered like this um, and they're faced with they they have they feel like they have two options. They can either admit they're wrong, which is akin to saying, you know, go ahead and leave me and I'm not worthy and I have to look to all of my flaws, which I've been avoiding since I was very young because I suspected since I was one year old, one years old that um, my flaws are the reason why everyone keeps abandoning me and no one ever loves me. Some of you out there might be able to relate to that. 
Um, so they can do that, which is horrible, right? To face that abyss of horribleness. Or they can try to shut it down by pulling anything out of their, you know, magical hat, you know, they're just, they're just throwing stuff out there and it'll just seem like, what does this have to do with it? You know, to the avoidant person, it's like, why are you talking about me and Travis having sex? Like, how, how does that make any sense right now? Um, and it, it's a, it's an act of desperation is what it is. So let's, let's listen back to it. I'm not sitting here and no, fighting with you about the, situation the, with the you. fight that After we had last night. After you fucking got physically violent with me, I texted Travis. I said, come up here because I didn't want anything to, to happen. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Come, it's coming to us. Save me. No, go ahead. Continue. You, 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 Travis, do the rescue. No, that, no, that was the last one. You can go, uh, you go. That was the last insult. Yeah, you 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 called me a liar, and yet you, yet I watched you lie. You called me a liar. I watched you lie. I You're, heard it. I was right it. there. There's no what you still haven't told me what lie it is. We'll talk but yet to, every single fucking time. We'll you know you Chav. do this every single fucking we'll time. We'll talk to Chav. I'm not fucking talking to nobody. No, Fuck that. Fucking, you go fucking jerk. Go jerk him off. I don't care. I really could care less. Okay, let's skip forward a little bit. And I, I watched you lie, you. and then I, I didn't punch I, you. And by the way, you. I'm sorry that I didn't. Uh, you, uh, uh, hit you me. across the face in a proper slap, but I was hitting you. It was not punching you. Babe, you're not punched. Don't tell me what it feels like to be punched. You, you know, even a lot of fights have been around a long time. I know. Yeah, no, babe. when you fucking have a closed fist. You get punched. You got hit. I'm sorry I hit you like this, but I did not punch you. I did not fucking deck you. I fucking was hitting you. you I don't know what you. the motion of my actual hand was, but you're fine. I did not hurt you. I did not punch you. I was hitting you. How are your toes? How, what am I supposed to do? Do this? How are your I, toes? I'm not sitting here bitching about it, am I? You are. Oh, That's the difference between me toes. and you. You're a fucking baby. Because you start you physical fights? You are such a baby! Because you, the fuck because you start physical fights? I did start a physical fight. Yeah, you did, so I had because, to get the fuck out of there. Yes, you did. So you did the right thing, the big thing. The, you know what? You are admirable. Wow, it's hard to listen to. It certainly sounds to me like victim blaming, trying to spin this story into like, oh, okay, fine, I did hit you, but you're a baby. You know, what a what a baby you are. And that's a tactic that actually will be used against male victims a lot of the times because there's this notion of like, well, you're a man, you're supposed to be able to take it, um, you know, you're supposed to be tough. Um, and complaining about it uh, means that you're a baby. Um, not only will the abuser say that, but society will too. And that's what gets people to shut up about it. Um, you know, it's it's pretty heartbreaking and, and pretty um, uh, enraging, actually, to me as a man. Um, it There are so many male victims of all kinds of abuse, sexual, physical, emotional, and um, although on average, uh, you know, less percentage wise, but still we're talking like millions of victims, millions of male victims in the United States, all of who understand that if they come forward, they're going to be called a baby, uh, at least by some people, maybe even by a judge or a jury or a police officer. And it's it's heartbreaking and enraging at the same time. Um, just um, just awful. Let's continue. Actually, let's rewind it. I I want to I, I want to listen to it again just so everyone understands just how awful this is. How are you? I, I'm not sitting here bitching about it, am I? You are. Oh, That's you, the difference between me those. and you. You're a fucking baby. Because you start you physical are fights. You're a baby. Because you, the fuck off, because you start baby. physical fights. I did start a physical fight. Yeah, you did. So I had to get the fuck out of there. Yes, 
You did. So you did the right thing, the big thing. The, you know what? You are admirable. What are you doing with this? I'm giving you a Xanax in case you need it. Oh, thank you. Seems like it's worn off. Yeah, it probably has. So this is interesting. I don't know if you caught that, but it sounds like the woman is, you know, taking out a pill and then the man is saying, um, what are you doing? And then the woman says, I'm giving you another Xanax because I, I think the last one is, has worn off. And then the man says, oh, yeah, it probably has. Thank you. So in the middle of this really awful fight, there's suddenly this drug sort of exchange. And it's hard to know the background on this. It's, there's nothing wrong with taking Xanax. Uh, Xanax can be abused and, and often is. Uh, so maybe that's what's happening here. It's, it's also implied that uh, the woman actually monitors the, the mood or the state of the man. Uh, I wouldn't say he needs a Xanax in that situation. Of course, I can't assess that, but um, uh, it's an interesting dynamic there that um, will happen sometimes when you're involved with someone who has a drug abuse issue is that the the codependent, the, the spouse, will be very much involved in the monitoring of the intoxication because the spouse benefits from the person who suffers from drug addiction to be at sort of the optimal level of intoxication, if that makes any sense. I don't know if that's what's happening here, but it kind of sounds like it anyway. So let's listen back to that. What are you doing with this? I'm giving you a Xanax in case you need it. Oh, thank you. Seems like it's worn off. Yeah, it probably has. All right, let's fast forward a little bit here. You don't come back around. You don't honor when you say, I just want a few minutes or I want a little time, but I'll be back. You don't assuage the um, the anxiety and the stress that that gives me and makes things worse with me by saying, hey, I will, we will. Memory Keeper was like, you have to say, I will be back in this amount of time, more or less, and then actually honor it. You have to come back. So I said, oh, my God, if he could do that, that would be great. And you never do it. You know, you don't ever honor that. You leave me with way more anxiety, stress, anger, and resentment. So it's hard to hear, but it sounds like she says she's referring to someone named Cooper or something. And it, it's hard to know based on what they're saying. But I would, if I was to take a guess, I'm guessing that they actually did go to a couples therapist. And that therapist actually did recommend that the avoidant person, when they want to split, that they give a time limit on that. That's actually a frequent thing that couples therapists will do, and I've done it before. It's a, it has to be done in a much broader approach but because um, it, it, if you just do this, it doesn't actually help. But essentially the recommendation is, okay, avoidant person, it's fine that you want – you know, when you're triggered, you need to separate and to, to reduce the intensity of the conflict. That's actually probably a good move. A, a timeout can be a wonderful thing to regulate conflict and um, – and emotions in a couple. However, you can't just have an indefinite amount of time and, and you know split for like days or a long time. Um, so you want to turn to your spouse and say, I- "I'm leaving right now, but I'm I- I'm just going to do this for about half an hour to calm down. That should be enough time, and then I'll return and we'll continue this conversation." That helps the preoccupied person because they don't feel abandoned. They just feel like, "Okay, this is just temporary," and it also gives. Um, you know, a sort of time frame that the preoccupied person can count on uh, rather than being triggered into pure abandonment, which is the way it feels to them. So it kind of sounds like at least they came to an agreement about that. 
um, maybe even possibly in couples therapy. So anyway, let's fast forward. It's about you not allowing me to have any problems with you or be upset at you or mad at you or even hurt by you at all. You do not allow it. If you, if you could have just said in a, in a kinder way, a nicer way, like, listen, I feel fucked over by what you fucking just did. You wouldn't freak out. No, I would say fucking, what is it? Like what? And fucking too long at Isaac's. You said you wouldn't be that long or whatever. You shouldn't. I feel stranded. I felt fucking left. Whatever. I'm not, what am I going to fight with that? Why, why would I get mad at that? My God, first thing you do is I don't have to do, I don't have to text you. And all, I mean, you just be, be, it would be shitty. It would be a fight. It would be terrible. It would you, not be. You, it was a fight. Yeah, it was. It was a fight. So here we hear them talking about an incident in which he was at Isaac's house, and from the sound of it, she wished he was he would come home earlier. This is a a very common preoccupied avoidant fight. I can't tell you how many times I've I've had this uh, conversation with couples. Um, hard to know, but if I was to take a guess, I'm guessing that the avoidant person he said, "Okay, I'm going to Isaac's," and and. Um, I'll be back, you know, in a little bit of time or something, in a couple hours or something. And the preoccupied person is like, okay. And then as the uh, distance is felt by the preoccupied person, it feels anxious to them because they, because of their attachment insecurities, because of their relational traumas, when they're left alone, uh, it it feels very it feels very bad to them. It's akin to a two year old being left in the mall or a three year old being left in preschool too long or something. Uh, it's a deep feeling of of uh, desperation of return to the attachment figure, and preoccupied people basically exist that way all the time. Uh, there's just different degrees of it. They they never fully return to attachment security. They're they're just like. You know, like with if 10 is the most attachment and security they feel, the lowest they ever get is like a three. Um, whereas securely attached people regularly feel like they're a one, uh, meaning they're very they feel regulated and secure that people love them, even though they're not around all the time. The preoccupied person is preoccupied with the attachment. So so it sounds to me like the like preoccupied woman was. Um, sitting at home going, okay, well, he'll be back soon. He'll be back soon. And then when he didn't come back at the time expected, her, uh, uh, you know, negative emotions started to mount, which is very common. And then the she probably tried to suppress it because she's probably quite used to that feeling. She's like, okay, well, don't text him. Don't text him. Um, give him some time. He'll be home soon. You know, don't start a fight. Don't start a fight. But then it starts to get bigger. It starts to get bigger. Her defenses of demanding and accusing start to kick in her feelings of justification and righteous anger and demands start to become realized. And maybe she texts him and says something like, okay, where are you, honey? And then uh, maybe he, okay, now we go to his side of the equation. His his attachment injury has to do with fears of anger and um, having endured invasiveness probably in all likelihood, hard to know. Um, and his his uh, policy of putting up walls and distancing and, and trying to get some control of his life too. Cause if he's been a victim of control and, and command from her and other people, he uh, probably has a deep need for like some control and some space to breathe. Right. And, but deep down he really does want connection, but um, it's so frustrated by 
the, the feeling of powerless, powerlessness and invasiveness by other people. I would suspect that the avoidant man has attracted other preoccupied person in the past because that's a common dynamic that sort of locks into each other. But anyway, so um, maybe he doesn't look at his phone or maybe he does get the text and he's like, okay, I, I know what's behind that question. Um, it's not just an innocuous question. She's trying to control me. Um, I can stay out for as long as I want. Um, I'm a man. I don't have to come home all the time. She should have other things to do. You know, he probably has this very quick half of a second flash of a, of a calculation of just like, I don't have to text her back. You know, she needs to learn to live. To She needs to get friends or she's – and so he's like, he's just like, I'm not going to text her back. And then another text – and then, she, you know, he, he's not texting me back. And then the anxiety builds. The abandonment feelings build. She texts him again. Hey, you know, where are you? You didn't You didn't text me back. This escalates to the point where now she's texting a lot. She's like, how dare you not get back to me? You said you were going to be home two hours ago. I'm not going to be treated this way. Uh, this isn't the way that normal people, you know, these the kinds of things she's actually already been saying to him face-to-face -face in this recording. And now he's really got the walls up because he, he's thinking, my God, I just went to my friend's house. Um, I'm just uh, a couple hours late. Um, we're both grown adults. Can't she figure out something else to do? Um, how dare she try to control me? Now, he's hurt by this too. He's hurt by the invasiveness, but he doesn't communicate that. He, he communicates it passively, passive aggressively, if you will, by um, acting calm, by not responding. Um, and that's how this dynamic happens. It's easy to look at her and say uh, her behavior is out of control and um, ill-advised, but um, – you know, the questions I always – because sometimes these avoidant people will come to me individually and they'll complain about their spouse and I'll say, okay, totally get it. You know, I, you're valid in your feelings. And uh, could you have predicted that your spouse was going to overreact in that situation when you didn't text them back? And they'll be like, well, yeah, they always do that. Well, then why didn't you text them back? <laughs> I mean if you're dedicated to this person and you really actually want to try to improve your relationship with them – you have to try to manage their triggers. You have to recognize that they get triggered when you don't text them back, and and you have to tr text them back. Just um, and 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 also communicate your feelings in a more uh, functional way rather than being passive aggressive about it. You know, text her back, and then when you get home, say, "Honey, we have to talk about you know that what you did." Um, I went to my friend's house. I never. I didn't say when I was going to be back. You assumed when I was going to be back, and then. You started to invasively text me, which when I have to say, when you do that, it feels bad to me. It feels like you disres you're disrespecting my space. And I kind of wish that you just had other things to do in your life other than worrying about where I am all the time. Um, let's talk about it rather than being passive aggressive and not texting and then getting upset when she blows up when it, when that was very predictable. It doesn't justify – I'm not justifying her behavior. I'm just saying that both people are basically participating in the dance. Um, I'm not going to blame the victim if the avoidant person in this is an actual victim of ongoing abuse. I'm not going to blame him for his sort of reactivity to it. Uh, so there's a lot of data. I just don't know. Anyway, let's continue. You can't sit here and tell me I can't feel things. I can't voice them to you. If we say to each other, you can't get mad, and you can't be hurt by the other, then we're living in a fucking motherfucking fairy tale. Look. Then of course, nobody nobody is able to and shouldn't hold shit in. But we can go to the other person 
say, look, man, I feel fucked. I feel shit. I feel this, I feel that. And then we can assess you how you feel. Well, fuck, I guess, oh, shit, I see what you mean. You know, I see what you mean, I get it. So this is actually a really great conversation. They're approaching functional uh, communication about this. Uh, they're both saying, look, anger happens and it's okay. And there's a way to communicate about it that's functional. Uh, the avoidant person is trying to lay out a way of communicating that he can accept. Uh, he's not being very descriptive about it, though. But uh, by implication, he's saying, look, sure, you can get angry at me. You can have feelings, um, but just try to do it in a calm way. I wish he would use that kind of language rather than the language he's using, but um, he's they're trying. There, there's an opportunity here for them to establish, look, when we have feelings, here's how we communicate, which which helps. But I, but I have to always point out, look, unless you understand your attachment injuries, you're not going to understand your distortions. Because when you understand your attachment injuries and, and, you understand, and you understand how your past attachment injuries inform your current attachment injuries, you also understand how distorted you become in your brain when you're interacting with your spouse in that situation. And only when you understand how distorted your perceptions are in those instances can you actually navigate them because you'll end up acting from your distortions and feeling justified, which will come across the other person as just insane. And so um, so just working on communication alone will not help. That's A lot of people misunderstand that's what couples therapy is about. It's like, oh, it's working on communication. Yes, but more it's getting to know each person's own attachment injuries and attachment reactivity uh, and being able to first recognize that, uh, validate it internally, communicate it in a way to the other person so the other person has an opportunity to understand how they are tr how they're hurting the other person so that they can modify their behavior uh, just working on how you communicate doesn't necessarily address that and and usually does it in my experience anyway so let's continue listening or fucking i don't get i don't, I don't understand what you're saying and you're wrong and you're the whatever but it's going to be the latter and it's been the latter for months now where that's your reaction is not ever ever admitting wrong ever doing anything wrong that's, ever that's admitting it you always go straight to you're wrong fuck you kind of thing you don't say fuck you all the time right away but I'm saying, saying always like for months now it's been I can't voice any complaint. I can't say I feel fucked over. I can't say I'm hurt. I can't say you fucked up. I can't be mad at you. I can't be hurt. Nothing. Because I'm the bad guy. Oh, well, I'm always fucking up. And, you know, like, you're always on, always on me. And I'm always fucking up. And, you know, like, getting mad at me for having... So, again, more of that always talk and never talk, which is very common for people to get into when they're being triggered. And, again, what we see here is... Without the ability to return to the foundation of the attachment, they're, they're kind of lost in their distortions and um, continually triggering each other, even in this conversation about past conversations. Let's skip forward a little bit. I'm not, I need to know what we need to do different. I need to know. It's got to be done with your mind and your heart. What do we do different if well, I have a problem? You tell need me. to tell me how to tell you tell different me. if I'm hurting you. 
You need to let me be able to be mad. Sometimes you're going to make me mad. I'm a human. I cannot live where it's like... Well, then it's the same thing goes for me then. You're going to have to allow me to get mad. Yes, exactly. It, okay, I but I get mad and then you start fucking yelling. I, 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 I don't have to start yelling. I think I start yelling once it gets fucking heightened. I've gotten a lot better about that. It's just only... No, I only start no. yelling when it's fucking hour 11 and we're really in it. Yeah, you, you haven't gotten better about that. Otherwise, we wouldn't have had three physical fights in the last month and a half, two I'm months. Sorry about the yelling. Let's both pay attention to how we, how we talk to each other, um, to respect each other. So she says, uh, I've gotten better. And he says, no, you haven't. And then she says, you know, basically she's sorry and she's trying. And this is this is a really great moment. Again, I just I, I, they're like so close to to the good zone, which is, well, instead of just trying to control your emotions and trying to suppress your anger, let's understand where that anger comes from, so that you can know yourself, know your attachment, uh, you know, sensitivities, and communicate that and be vulnerable and allow someone else to take care of that vulnerability rather than just trying to, you know, suppress your anger, which she's agreeing like, yeah, I need to, I need to be better about that. Okay, great. But why, where is it coming from? Unless you address the source, you're, you're, you're just, you know, white knuckling it, as they say, let's skip forward. But there's so, there's some, something so anxiety provoking and scary and malicious and really just turns everything over and you split all the time. Please, if you really don't want to fight and you're not just trying to hurt me, which sometimes it is that, if you really, really, if you really love me and you don't and you do care about this, please find a good way to do it one dance. Respectful. You can tell me that you are. You can. I need to know that we will be able to talk about it because the problem I have is when we don't communicate, it comes into me, builds up in me, and becomes cancer in me. So she's speaking with a lot of vulnerability here. Uh, She could speak with more vulnerability and and more taking responsibility for her emotions, but she's definitely in that zone, which is good. She's talking as if she knows herself well enough to say, look, I have this pattern and and I do this, which is uh, which is good. She she is exhibiting some self-awareness here, which is which is really great. They're in a they're in a good spot. Uh, Let's see if they can continue that. The reason why it's a good spot is because it gives the avoidant person the opportunity to see the vulnerability in the preoccupied person and and that will provoke their natural empathy and compassion and love and they'll say oh that's why you're you know when you're angry and you're accusing me and you're using always and nevers it's because of that that cancer inside of you that you refer to and and i'm sorry you're going through that um it makes sense now i i don't appreciate the the yelling and the accusations but um i get that it's coming from a place of pain for you and um, that helps me to um, have more compassion for you during those moments and and helps me to understand how to not trigger that. Let's, let's listen to some more. If things get physical, we have to separate. We have to be apart from one another, whether it's for fucking an hour or 
10 hours or fucking a day. We must. There can be no physical violence. I can't promise you that I'll be perfect. I can't promise you I won't get physical again. God, I fucking sometimes get so mad, I lose it. So they're still in the good zone. He's asserting himself. He's saying, okay, she's calm now. I'm going to, I'm going to let my emotions out, which is a good idea for him to assert himself to say, look, okay, for future reference, you know, when there's violence, we got to separate and I'm going to split. So just understand that Uh, that's a functional uh, way of dealing with it. Um, You know, if, if someone's, if someone was hitting me, I'm not going to sit there and just take it. So that's a good thing. Uh, And she's saying, yeah, you know, sometimes I just get so angry and, and so this audio, if it is true that this is Amber Heard, it doesn't look good for her uh, defense or, or her accusations. Uh, but in terms of the clinical picture here, you know, they're in a good zone. Uh, I would love it if uh, Johnny Depp also said something like, thank you for telling me about your true vulnerable feelings. Um, you know, I, I'm sorry that you went through that. I also wish that they both had a language of like, well, this is, you know, coming from you know, my dad or my mom or my uncle or or something. I wish they had some language of like how she got this way, if that makes any sense. I can't promise you that I'll be perfect. I can't promise you I won't get physical again. God, I fucking sometimes get so mad, I lose it. I can fucking promise you I'm, you know, do everything to change. We should fall asleep together every night. Ideally, never mad. Ideally, never mad. I'd love to say you could promise that, but I don't, I don't know if it's possible. I'd love to strive for it. Yeah, you weren't ready for that last night, for sure. No, I fucked up last night. I'm really sorry. All right, let's skip forward a little bit. It gets fucking crazy, you know, and th- that that makes me not feel, for lack of a better word, safe within the relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, understanding of oh, well, it's just nothing. Because it, if it keeps going, if it's if it's always sort of there, then, uh, you know, I worry, yeah, I fucking worry about the marriage. I worry how much longer can I deal with this? How much longer can she deal with this? Fuck, man. So I've had the same trust issues. I've had the same uh, uh, disappointments. I've had the same, you know... Maybe, maybe not to the degree you have, I, 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 I'm assuming, so, but, man, when you start, when you start fucking honking, you know what I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty, I will, I will help try. Help me, because I might not even realize I'm doing it, but you've got to help me. I but will try. But we can't, can't be an excuse to leave. Okay, so that's the entirety of the clip that I'll play. Again, it's heartbreaking. Uh, I've, I've been with people through this. They clearly love each other. They're they're trying. They're doing their best. Um, our society definitely doesn't help people with this sort of thing. Um, you know, there's all these messages out there of of you got to defend yourself or you got to win the argument. And you got to you always have to defend your self esteem by. Um, you know, pointing out the other person's, the holes in their argument, this kind of thing. And this is completely counter to getting your attachment needs met and sustaining a a loving, long-lasting marriage. Yeah, and 
as I listen to this, as I said before, I, I just wish that I was in the room and I could help them because there's there's so there's some just some very fundamental easy things that uh, they would only they probably only would need me to say like three different things sprinkled throughout the conversation to to reroute it into a direction that could have taken them to another level. I, I've I've been there so many times with couples. I've been there so many times personally that uh, there's a, there's a way to navigate that. And um, so there's that part of it. The other part of it is the question of intimate partner violence. There's, there's clearly some admissions in this. Uh, I'm sure there will be more audio coming, or I'm guessing there'll be more audio coming out. I'm guessing there already has been a lot of scrutiny of the legal documents and the accounts and the accusations that, that will um, continue to be discussed in tabloids and on the internet and potentially in the courts and and uh, it certainly sound there. In conclusion, what I'll say is there, there's definitely red flags that the woman in this recording has perpetrator behavior and attitudes, not only in what they ref, have referred to because they referred to past violence from her, but in her approach during this recording, putting him down, calling him a baby re-narrativizing it as, well, you poke the bear, you get it, or um, I'm just being honest, these kinds of uh, spinning of the abuse and into good things. And uh, this is you know pretty concerning and um, you know, doesn't bode well for the jury of public opinion. Uh, this, I will also say, does not mean that the man in this recording is not also abusive. Uh, certainly that is completely possible. Couples can vacillate in that way. Um, but we clearly hear that there is violence um, from the woman. And, you know, and they've, the, there's also an admission of violence from the man as well. Uh, so, again, heartbreaking to hear. A really great example of preoccupied and avoidant. I will say that most preoccupied and avoidant people don't resort to violence, in my experience. So I don't want to uh, equate those two things. But the way, the dynamic, the emotional dynamic, and the attachment injuries are universal. Uh, there are there are so many couples like this who suffer from past attachment injuries, and there will be a pursuer, and there will be a distancer, and uh, each person will f- will feel as though they're in the right. And they're doing the right thing, and it just spins out of control. And if it spins too much out of control, then then there will be a divorce in all likelihood, or an ongoing, very distant, you know, relationship. And so, I encourage you, if you haven't already heard me say this, is to seek a therapist out who specializes in attachment theory, interpersonal therapy, psychodynamic therapy. Um, couples therapy or EFT actually emotionally focused therapy is right down the line as well Uh, both individually and as a couple uh, you can get help for this Um, you can also in addition to that listen to my attachment deep dive if you're a patron you already know about it if you're not a patron of the podcast you can go to patreon.com become a patron of the podcast and um, about 300 of our thousand episodes 
are our best episodes and they're only available to patrons. And I have 11 hours or more. I don't know, maybe it's 15 hours. I can't remember how many. It's a lot of hours that is dedicated to attachment theory. And a lot of people, I think surprisingly to me, have – because I love attachment theory. It really explains so much about life and just gives a very – healthy direction, a very hopeful direction to go in that um, actually works. And a lot of people have listened to the deep dive and emailed me and said um, it was a game changer for them, and, and which I'm glad for because that's how attachment theory is for me as well. And so become a patron and or you know contact me if you have any questions. I'm curious what you think about all this. Comment below or email me. The best way to contact me where you're guaranteed to get a hold of me is to go to our website, psychologyinseattle.com, fill out the Contact Us page, and I will get that uh, message. If you email below or if you email another way or you message away or you comment below, it's not guaranteed I'm going to get that. I might, but I might not. But if you go to the website, fill out the Contact Us page, I'll definitely get that if you um, you know want to communicate with me. And um, yeah, what do you think? Uh, are you team Amber? Are you team Johnny? Are you team nobody? Are you team both? Is it uh, hard to say? Have you, have you had experiences like this? I'm guessing you have. Um, has, has my discussion made any sense to people? <laughs> uh, maybe I've been a little garbled because this has been, you know, reaction episode where I'm just sort of off the cuff. And so, um, you know, let me know. And uh, please take care of yourself and take care of each other and take care of your spouses and take care of your own attachment needs because you deserve it. You really do. (laughs) 